the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. But it's also a preventative function that should make us all, as sinners saved by grace, stop and think. To walk circumspectly before the Lord and before our brothers and sisters in Christ. This public aspect, which is very, very unpopular today, is the norm. And when it's not done according to the norm, it's not normal. And it's not biblical. I can see the promised land, though there's pain within the plan. There is victory in the end. Your love is my battle cry, the answer for all my life. Every dragon will fall, the mountains will move. Every chain of the past you've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible with you Well, hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby. Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so grateful that you've chosen to spend time with us today on the program. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's edition of Grace to Live, we are continuing with Pastor Keith's series entitled Church Matters. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 5. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. Then you shall do to him as he had meant to do to his brother. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. So if it was a capital crime and you falsely accused somebody, guess what? You were executed. If you were suing them for their house and it was a false accusation, that doesn't mean that you you were mistaken. It means it was a false accusation and you wanted their house. You lost your house. You wanted them in prison for 10 years. You went to prison for 10 years. You see how that works? That keeps false accusations down. But it also shows the gravity. The gravity of our passage. Because that same principle is being carried by God from the Old Testament into the New Testament. In fact, the first place it pops up in the New Testament is Matthew 18, which is the church discipline passage which is the passage that shows us how to confront sin within our own church family and how far we are to go if someone persists in that sin and on what basis we consider the sin in and of itself. And let me walk you through that because it's the same principle that's applied to elders. There is no partiality. There is no partiality. What is sauce for the goose is sauce for the gander, as they say. 
And the basis for this is Deuteronomy, the teachings of Jesus. You know what? It's the same theme all the way through the Bible. Matthew 18, 15 through 17. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. So we deal with these things privately to start with. We don't start talking about people. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Some translations say won your brother. Persuaded your brother. But if he does not listen, if he persists, take one or two others with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So the two others you, or one other you take with you is like the judges in the Old Testament in that passage that we saw in Deuteronomy. They, you know, they go with you to hold you accountable and them accountable and then you make your case based on not feelings but facts, the evidence of at least two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector, as an unbeliever and a traitor. That's what that means. But what we're seeing here, and make, let's be very clear about this, even if an elder has done something dumb, the goal is restoration. You know, you confront this person in private and you try to win them over. If they won't listen and they're truly in sin, you bring other people into the equation. You see this escalation. Like Matthew 18, a charge against an elder, an accusation has to be fact-based and not opinion-based. There has to be at least, at least two eyewitnesses. And that works to keep people honest, to dilute opinion-based attacks on elders or pastors. You see, elder removal must be by the book, not the whim. It's not up to opinion, it's up to the facts. Look again at verse 19. Do not, this is a negative command, do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. This is the idea of due process. I was watching a a, a survey, it was a video survey. People went to the University of California at Berkeley and were asking students if they were in favor of suspending due process for those who they disagreed with. You'd be surprised how many said yes. But you see, we're talking here about real charges, real crimes, real witnesses, real evaluation, real evidence. It's not about what we want. It's about what God wants. It's about worship. It's about witness. And so, if we're going to deal with an elder, if we're going to do something, if we're going to rebuke or to to remove an elder, it has to be done carefully. Carefully. And when it comes to an elder's impeachment or removal, it also, regrettably, if they persist in sin has to be done publicly. That's our second adverb, our second L-Y verb. When necessary, done publicly. Where do we see that? We see that in verse 20. It's right there. When necessary, done publicly, and why? Verse 20 gives two reasons. 
As for the one who persists, as though, for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all, so that the rest may stand in fear. Why is it done publicly? Because they have persisted. They've been confronted privately, just like in Matthew 18, and it's been determined on the basis of at least two witnesses and based on the evidence that there is a problem and that they persist, that they refuse then you rebuke them publicly in the presence of all, that all may fear. And that word all there, there are people who debate, does that mean so that all the elders will fear and say, I hope I don't fall into that trap myself? Or does it mean that the whole congregation will fear? Because church discipline and elder correction and impeachment is supposed to have an inoculatory effect. And I think it's both and. There are circumstances that go beyond differences of opinion. And when there is unrepentant sin in the camp, it must be addressed. It must be called out, particularly among the leadership. Now, this doesn't mean that there's an intramural spat on the elder board about something. It doesn't mean that there's, a spirit, there's not a spirited discussion. However, when we detect a pattern of behavior that is sinful... It has to be dealt with. Things can sinfully escalate until it moves into the realm of a form of church discipline a la Matthew 18, 17. And so we see this, that we are to deal with it privately, to confront privately and try to win the elder or the brother over. Or the, if necessary, we confirm every fact with at least two witnesses. But if they persist, that brings us to verse 17 in Matthew 18 if he refuses to listen tell it to the church now this is what the Bible says we tell it to the assembly with elders and with everybody else because there is no partiality we don't have one rules for elders and another set of rules for for everyday lay people whatever that means now many churches create all kinds of exceptions to this through their bylaws and limitations in their constitution things that are not biblical everything needs to be as transparent as possible everything needs to be by the book and the book is the bible there's a painful aspect to the public aspect of all this for the elder and for the rest of the people to witness this But it's also a preventative function that should make us all, as sinners saved by grace, stop and think. To walk circumspectly before the Lord and before our brothers and sisters in Christ. This public aspect, which is very, very unpopular today, is the norm. And when it's not done according to the norm, it's not normal. And it's not biblical. Look at 1 Corinthians 5, 3 through 5. Here's another circumstance. We've looked at Deuteronomy 19. We've looked at 1 Timothy 5, 19 to 21. We've looked at Matthew 18, 15 to 17. You're just going to see this all over the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 5, 3 through 5. Paul is chastising them about the need to publicly rebuke somebody who is engaged in the most grievous sin. This is the principle that when the person gets so far out of the right orbit that publicly they're called out, which is really the, the uber wake-up call, right? First Timothy three, uh, 5, 3 through 5. Paul writes, 
For though absent in the body, I am present in spirit. And as, and as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. Now, in this case, a man in Corinth is living with his father's wife. This isn't, everybody knows this. Paul rebukes the church for not having acted. So now he gives instructions. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that, here's the restoration, his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. So they are to gather together and publicly deal with this as a church family. This is God's way. When it gets that bad, you need to confront the sinner for his sake, turn him over to Satan that his spirit may continue, that he may wake up and realize the mess that he's made and his need for repentance. And you are to inoculate the church to say, this is how we deal with this. It keeps the church pure, protects the purity of the church, protects the spiritual health of the church, and it keeps some of their weaker, less mature Christians on that straight and narrow path, lest they too fall into that situation. I remember the first time I ever saw it done. I was at a church in Hilton Head, South Carolina, and the pastor starts talking about it. And I was, I'd been a believer for maybe a year, and I was like, what is he doing? And then he started talking, and I thought, well, I hope he's not talking about me. That was the right response. He wasn't, thankfully. And here I sit today, right? But this is what we see here. The goal is not embarrassment, but redemption, restoration, preventing people from simply moving on without action and becoming calloused like the culture. It has a dual effect. It's corrective and it's preventative. Again, we see this in verses 19 and 20 of 1 Timothy 5 in the impeachment and removal of elders. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence, the evidence of two or three witnesses. Now look at verse 20. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. So you see this is done carefully and publicly for the good of the church, for the good of the name of Christ, for the witness of the assembly in the community. There are no backdoor deals. There is transparency sin is to be confronted without partiality because church matters matter to God and so they must be important to us they must matter to us the removal of an elder should be a rare occurrence it is a big deal it is not to be taken lightly now we come to our third ly word our third adverb our third modifier when necessary the impeachment of an elder must be done objectively objectively now this intensifies what we've already discussed uh, the two witnesses evidence uh, without you know and we see that here in verse 21 in the presence of God now look how he says this consider the force of his statement he says to Timothy and this is a transitional sentence that also goes on to the restoration of an elder or the ordination of an elder it's sort of a linchpin that looks back and looks forward at the same time but he says this and this should not be lost on us it should be done objectively in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels I charge you the word here has to do with a military command to keep these rules these aren't guidelines. 
to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. There's no playing favorites. Justice is blind, objective, and pure. This isn't a church politics thing. It's not a good old boy network. It's not a just between us thing. It's to be taken, it's not to be taken lightly. It's not to be done politically. It's not to be done emotionally or whimsically. And no one deserves special privileges. No one gets a free pass. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I charge you, I command you, to keep these rules, these rules that we just read, without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. Consequently, everything that we've discussed must be, should be, fact-based. Things must be investigated thoroughly and dealt with appropriately. That goes back to Deuteronomy 19.15, back to Jesus' words in Matthew 18. This gets away from politics, preference, personality. And you see this principle of witnesses, of evidence. Look with me uh, at 2 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. Here it is again. Now we're in 2 Corinthians. Paul is dealing with an issue in the church. And he's not happy. And he said, this is the third time I am coming to you. Watch what he says next. Every charge must be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. There it is. I mean, this is objective. This isn't subjective. This is objective. There is no partiality. There is no predecision. What we have here is a biblical balance. We want to be fair and impartial. This kind of harkens back. We talked about Leviticus 19.15 during our discussion of critical theory but I want to look at it again what does it say this is the principle from Old Testament to New God is consistent he is never contradictory you shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great but in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor facts evidence God has a blueprint in 1 Timothy 5 for the impeachment, the discipline of an elder, and we are not to deviate from that for any reason, no matter how much we like or dislike people. Paul writes, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, and we'll deal with elect angels some other day, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. So what we do, we do carefully. When, when it's necessary, we do it publicly. And when we do these things, it's done objectively because we are servants of Christ. We are slaves to the king and we live according to his word, not our own word. According to his legislation, not our own bylaws or constitutions as so many churches do today he makes the rules in church matters and we obey them that's called worship so what now what next let's talk a little bit about application and I want to go beyond a little bit what you've heard today because we are going through the pastoral epistles for a reason it's just not that well do you have to Romans what do I do now 
Because what we want to do is we want to align everything we do here at Hillside Church with the Word of God. And so as we work, continue to work through this, we're coming to the end of 1 Timothy pretty soon. And then you know what we're going to do? We're going to do 2 Timothy, right? But I want you to give thought to, this is application. Number one, give thought to what we're teaching in the pastoral epistles and in general. Because what we're looking at here is church policy. Church polity and not church politics. And we're teaching for change and changes will be made. And changes are coming. Okay? So know about that. Pray about that. Think about that. Number two, give thought to what we are teaching and learning in terms that it is countercultural, not culturally acceptable. I was watching the installation on, on video of a church north of us of two elders, and they were promising to uphold the Word of God. They saw the Word of God as inerrant and infallible, and they wanted to do what God's Word said. The problem was the two elders being installed were female. They can't be the husbands of one wife, right? Three, give thought to the fact that what we have learned today is a matter of worship and a matter of witness. It is not academic. In fact, given today's society, it's almost polemic, particularly in a live and let live society where we turn a blind eye and we, we forget what grace is. We make grace into something less than it is and there are some sins that just cannot go undealt with love covers a multitude of sins but when a leader sins and that leader is in office that leader must be confronted four ask yourself this question and this is the biggie am I willing to go where the scriptures because that's what everything is riding on in our worship and in our witness. What we are seeing is that there is a right way and a wrong way to do church. And we want to do church the right way. We want to order our worship, order our witness, order what we do here, organize it around the Word of God. I was involved in a discussion with a group of pastors, and they were, and this is the fad today, is to take the associate pastors and remove them from the elder board because the lead pastor or in this case they call it the senior pastor supervises the pastors and he doesn't want his employees on the board and I'm like well they're elders granted there's a more complicated relationship but I said to them what does the bible say and I got that deer in the headlights look at Hillside Church All the pastors are on the elder board. They're the staff elders or the vocational elders. There's not, oh, well, because you're an associate pastor, you're not really an elder. We don't do that here. So let's think beyond today because none of this is theoretical. And that's why the Holy Spirit says through the pen of the Apostle Paul, I am writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. But in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. We study to apply. We want to be workmen, unashamed, 
Church matters matter to God and therefore they must matter to you and to me as we align and realign Hillside Church with the scriptures. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for everybody who joined us today, virtually and physically. I thank you that we could come together around your word and search the scriptures so that we can align our lives with your heart, with your word, with your will. Father, we thank you that the scriptures are clear and understandable, that we all have a copy, that we all have access to them. And Lord, we just want to want what you want, Father. Help us, Lord, to serve you according to your will, according to the book. Pastor Keith Crosby with today's Grace to Live radio broadcast. We are so grateful that you've chosen to spend this time with us today here on the program. And if you have questions about today's show, or if you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Keith, then I would encourage you to visit our website, hillsidechurch.org. There you can listen to past sermons and other content from Pastor Keith just by clicking the Sermon Archive tab. And you can also find links to Pastor Keith's blog, as well as the Out of My Mind podcast. The website is also a great place to connect with us here at Hillside. You can find information on our service times, ministry opportunities, and of course you can browse our calendar of upcoming events. Again, all this and much, much more can be found by visiting our website, hillsidechurch.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time on Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves, and on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you, and thanks for listening. Thank you.